welcome back, everybody, to The Arrow. My name's Chandler. My name's Tony. And this is the podcast where we talk about everything Avatar The Last Airbender and Legend of Korra related. Uh, we're hitting you with a two-for-one-week kind of thing here. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is uh, this is our second episode that we're uploading this week, Tony. Why? Um, because we didn't upload an episode uh, last week. Correction. Or we uploaded an episode <laughs> last week, but there was something about stupid email verification that they were like, verify your email, and they didn't push the episode to people, which is like weird because, like. Why now? <laughs> um, but okay, sure. We attempted Email multiple verified. times to upload an episode, yeah, and I was like, I was like, Tony, you're you're like you're lying to me. Like I <laughs> I checked multiple times. I'm like, it's there, but in fact, uh, only if you were logged into our own Anchor or Spotify account <laughs> would you have actually been able to see the episode. Nobody else would have been able to see the episode. Is yeah. what I confirmed. So, um, my bad. <laughs> but anyways uh tony do you, yes, uh, i feel like there's a question i always ask you here at the top but i don't really know what the question i'm supposed to ask you is right now how are you doing me i'm um, chilling it's like almost six o'clock um uh, i still got like a week off of work and i'm like man two weeks off of work awesome i wish i had i mean in all honesty i could have taken a lot more time off of work i had like i had almost like 200 oh my hours holy shit like <laughs> and because it was like the holiday season i was gonna take like just the full two weeks you know mm-hmm. and i was gonna it was gonna be you know that you know but in fact uh because it's the holidays half of the days that i'm taking off are actual just holidays for the school mm-hmm. so um <laughs> i wanted to use a lot of that time off i didn't get a chance to and i could have extended i could have just taken off all the way until the semester started uh, uh, but I didn't. I thought I would be ready to go back to work by <laughs> next Monday, and I don't know if that's the case yet. Um, we'll see on Monday if I'm ready to go back <laughs> to work or not. <laughs> so, yeah. Nice. Got a week left. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, uh, at the time of this recording. <laughs> Even going back to work, though, it's like winter break. I'm not going to have too many students back uh, ready to go yet. So um, it'll be like a slow kind of, weaning myself back into the um to the year mm-hmm. so we'll see how about you man how are you doing um i feel conflicted today what is the conflict uh because technically i put in i i put in my two weeks notice in my on my previous job uh what well now it's my previous job it was my current job very recently um mm-hmm. i put it two weeks ago um but uh because of concerns and stuff and possible exposure and stuff. Um, I didn't go to I, my last day that I went into work was last Tuesday. Uh-huh. Uh, so I, and I was planning to tell, you know, my coworkers and stuff that I was leaving. Um, but I, you didn't get the chance. I didn't to get the chance to, cause it was kind of just like, Oh, like possible exposure. Oh, get the heck out of here now. I was mm-hmm. like, ah, um, so yeah, so it kind of just feels awkward cause I wanted to go back, but because of the holidays, like testing was like super packed with like anything of trying to get uh, scheduled or appointments or anything. 
Um, mm-hmm. So I just didn't get results back in time to um, to be able to go back and at least say goodbye to everybody. Um, mm-hmm. So I did stop by today just to pick up a check. Uh, and we, we did Secret Santa for our Christmas um, thingy at mm-hmm. work. So I, I dropped off my presents at work, um, just like outside because I'm still not allowed inside. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, it just felt awkward because like, some people know that I'm leaving because I told all the therapists there, uh, yeah. but not everybody knows. So it's like people were like mm-hmm. two people came out and gave me the present and they're like, Hey, like you're leaving. How, how, how can you do this to us? Like, come on. Like, like you're one of the good ones. And I was like, ah, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. And then, um, the individual who was my secret Santa came like out just to the door and she's like, Oh, like, I hope you enjoy your gift. Like I'll see you soon. And she's like, but you won't. Uh, like, I don't know what to buy, and I just left. Oh, <laughs> so no. it just, uh, it just felt bad because I'm like, yeah, yeah. I, I like, I want like the work environment's trash. Um, like the whole COVID procedures are trash, but like the people, the coworkers were like really great, uh, mm. and it was like one of the reasons I wanted to stay, and why I felt yeah. like conflicted. So today was kind of just like awkward, like bye but i don't really get to say goodbye and some of you don't even know i'm leaving still so you'll find out eventually right 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 well you'll find out when i just don't come back yeah so i like when you <laughs> when you actually just don't see me anymore yeah but i start my new job on monday okay are you excited i'm super nervous I, I, is that a yes um i'm just like really nervous <laughs> Uh, it's just a different work environment that I have to get used to, a different schedule. Uh, it's a way longer commute, and I already know it's like work, um, uh, just work expectancy is like way higher. Like they, they expect me to do a lot more. Um, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. It, it just, without being in it, it just already seems like a, like a heavy load to, to jump into. Yeah, yeah, it just feels like a lot. Yeah. I feel you. I feel you. Well, I'm sure you're going to do great, Tony. I hope so. Fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what you do do great at? Eating. I mean, probably. <laughs> I was going to say being the uh, co-host on this podcast. Oh, uh, no. Nah. Yeah. That's a par stuff there. No, no, no. You do great <laughs> on this. You do great on this. Why don't we, uh, why don't we jump into the episode All right. and talk about... Episode so. 12, Day of the Colossus. Wasn't that a PlayStation game? Shadow of the Colossus. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the game I'm thinking of. I played, like, the first, like, hour or two of that game. Um, I can see why people would really like that game. I can't tell if I will really like that game. Mm. It was beautiful, though. Beautiful, like, the remaster yeah, yeah. on PlayStation 4 Pro. looks really great. Anyways... Uh, Day of the Colossus, why don't we get started with the episode? Uh, so, last episode, we, um, huge cliffhanger, we had uh, Kubira find out where everybody was kind of uh, hiding out uh, with Batar mm-hmm. Jr., uh, able to locate the radio waves, uh, pinpoint their location, and she's just like, well, this is a sacrifice I'm willing to take, and mm-hmm. shoots her spirit weapon straight into that factory with Batar Jr. and everyone else in it. Um, so this episode, we get to see that everybody survived. Yes. Luckily, everybody's okay for the most part. Uh, 
it just seems like Batar Jr. is the one that got uh, severely hurt, which, I mean, makes sense. He was tied to a chair, didn't really have an opportunity to, uh, <laughs> to run, run <laughs> or, you know, yeah. defend his face uh, or head in any way. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, Bolin's mm-hmm. able to, like, bend, like, this huge wall off of them um, so everybody can kind of get out of the rubble. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, so Kuvira is kind of just heading into the city with, like, a whole platoon of... of the smaller mech suits as, uh, with her colossus um right so yeah it kind of just they're uh cora and everyone else is kind of in a tight or a difficult situation because it's, yeah. it's either they you know escape with with everybody that they can um and you know live to fight another day or mm-hmm. they stand their ground and they try to defend the city yeah, and and essentially their their plan here is like okay, well we we have to you know we have to stop that thing as soon as possible. Um, you know we don't know what we're going to do if we if we can't stop that thing. Um, and Lin walks in with uh, Hiroshi Sato, mm-hmm. right, and and says, uh, "Hey, I busted, I got him out of the jail. Uh, we're gonna need all of the geniuses we could find around here." Um, and my first thought was like. You guys didn't evacuate the jail? <laughs> no, they don't have time for that. As a week okay. early. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, anyways. So, so Hiroshi's out of the jail. They need anybody who, um, and and everybody just doesn't question it. They're like, "Good, fine. You're here. Let's let's do mm-hmm. this. Like, what's gonna happen?" Asami mentions that the hummingbirds are in her. The hummingbird mechs are in her office, yeah. and those are the only two there the because prototypes. the other ones got destroyed by Kuvira's blast mm-hmm. because they were in a future industries warehouse. Yes. Um, so Hiroshi kind of proposes like, well, future industries has plasma saws that we use that to cut through platinum all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I can, you know, makeshift one on the, on the suit, uh, with some electrical components and they're like, all right, let's get to it. Right. Like the hummingbirds are kind of our only option against the Colossus. Um, Meanwhile, at the same time that that plan is being hatched and they're kind of constructing those, Milo is running through the city with some other people, um, Tenzin and Iki um, and some other folks, and is like, hey, guys, there's a paint shop here. Mm-hmm. I have a plan to beat the, the giant robot thing. Let's get – Milo has the plan of all people, <laughs> right? It's, it's actually great. Um, and it's, it's actually, like, not a bad plan either. It, it buys them the exact amount of time that they needed to do anything. In fact, I'm starting to think about this episode, Tony. Was this episode just them get inside of the Colossus? Was that the entire episode? Um, yeah. So it was. <laughs> I mean, you're you're definitely speeding through it pretty quickly. Yeah, uh, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I I'm just thinking about like. Well, I mean, yeah, it was. I, there it was, was some other them. stuff going on, but. Yeah, it was uh, uh, Prince Wu stuff. Him trying to evacuate the people. Um, a lot of individuals trying to stall, and then um, it was the whole Varric. Uh, Asami and Mr. Sato kind of uh, modifying the saws and then at least being able to stop some of the um, the mech suits. So it's it's mm-hmm. a few things that, that do happen in this episode. Right, yes. Um, but I'm like, I'm, you know, thinking back through everything that happened in the episode and essentially, I'd, I'd, I'd bet like 85% of this episode, the bulk of this episode happens like in the streets of Republic City fighting the Colossus. Mm-hmm. Um, other than a couple of things happening in the tower of future industries, right? Yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. 
Um, I'm notorious for like skipping over big kind of details here. So yes. <laughs> I have I have points written down that I want to talk about, but like this whole episode just feels like a blob to me. So why don't you kind of lead us <laughs> through the timeline, and I'll kind of keep making points as yeah, we go of along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so like you you explained, the Mister Shotsu got uh, out. Uh, they had the idea that maybe they can do the plasma saws, but they needed to. I mean, the, the plasma saws are apparently are huge. Yeah. Um. So it's like there's no way that they can uh put that on on the hummingbird suit. So they wanted to electrify it instead. Mm-hmm. Um. So already it it seems like it was an amazing idea to bring Mr. Sato, uh, f- uh, to kind of use his genius, um, so that they had like essentially stand a chance at even, uh, stopping this thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think that the, the Mr. Sato stuff, you know, we, we, I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit later in this episode. I was very, I can't remember what kind of interactions like he and Asami were having while building these things, but I can't remember them having much interaction until kind of towards the end of the episode here. Mm-hmm. Um, am I am I wrong about that? Is, or is it just kind of like, this is business. Like, we've got to get this going so that we don't die. But, like, everybody yeah, doesn't die, right? Pretty like, much. Like, that's kind of <laughs> what's happening. Um, right? Yeah. Okay. What do you think about that? Like, I, I have two minds of it. I have one mind of, I would have loved to see some sort of development here. Like, in, in these moments that they have building, right? Some sort of, like, acknowledgement of each other or something like that. Uh, while at the same time, there's a giant robot about to attack the city. Like, yeah. so I, I, I mean, understand both. Definitely some acknowledgement, uh, between them two, um, as they were working together. Cause there was only two specific scenes. I believe that they showed when they were working on the actual hummingbird suits. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, the second one, she acknowledges that like, oh, it works. Um, like we could, like we couldn't have done this without you. Like now, because of this, like we have, we stand a chance. Mm-hmm. So there was definitely acknowledgement, but I mean, there wasn't very prolonged scenes, uh, like like they're ignoring each other or like walking past each other or anything like that. Yeah. In fact, the moments that I wish that Asami and Hiroshi had uh, were actually had by Varric and Julie, <laughs> yeah. um, as Varric and Julie are trying to make. Um, an EMP. How does that come about? I think it was it was coming about because they needed a little bit more time to to get the hummingbird suits ready, and Varric Varric asks Asami to like unplug everything electrical so he can make an EMP. <laughs> How about we down? go through the timeline instead of jumping everywhere? <laughs> okay, yeah. Why don't you do that? Okay. Because Mr. Sato doesn't even doesn't even appear until halfway through the episode. Is it really halfway through the episode? Yes. It felt <laughs> like he was there the entire time to me. No. <laughs> okay. Why don't you go through the timeline, Tony? <laughs> okay. So yeah. So we get to the Prince Wu stuff. Uh, really quick. Oh, um, the Prince Wu stuff happens in this episode. Thank yeah. you. Yes, yes. I said vaginals. it in the beginning of, yes. of this podcast. <laughs> the Prince Wu stuff, Tony. Thank you, thank you. Uh, so yeah, so Prince, uh, so they're kind of trapped as as the um, Colossus is getting closer to the city. Mm-hmm. Um, they find out that the train uh, tracks are blocked off by uh, Kavir's army, and mm-hmm. that there's no way that they they can get the rest of the citizens out through the train. Right. Uh, so Prince Wu has, you know, tells everybody like, "Hey, like, calm down. Like, I'm going to go get help," um, and takes off. 
with uh, Mako and Bolin's cut uh, Bolin's cousin, mm-hmm. um, and then just going through that that kind of storyline, uh, he comes back with uh, giant badger moles. So badger moles. <laughs> so apparently, his badger moles uh, in the uh, in the zoo, uh, mm-hmm. they love his singing. So so they're that's how they kind of um, interact with him is is by him singing, and then they kind of like do what he needs them to do. Right. Uh, they able his his idea was for them to dig tunnels so that they can get around Kubir's army undetected and out of the city. Um, and at this time, there's you know a giant battle going outside. Them still trying to stall for step for time. So they're like, okay, no, well this is our only opportunity to try to get out. So might as well take it. Yeah. Uh, as they're digging through the tunnels, uh, there's mechs that the smaller ones that catch up to them. Right, 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 right. And it seems like they're cornered, but uh, again, Prince Wu is able to kind of continue to singing horrible singing. Um, but he, they, the badger moles take out the mech suits, and I possibly kill those guys. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And uh, that's as far as we get with them. So as far as we know, they they got out of the city. Yeah. So actually, there, there's a few things here that were that were really really funny to me. Um, one, badger moles seem to really enjoy annoying singing. Um, <laughs> like like annoying singing is something that Excuse badger moles me? just really really. This is the first instance of bad singing. What are you talking about? I, I never said bad. I said annoying. <laughs> this is <laughs> I the said, first instance of annoying singing. What are you uh, talking about? I, I seem to remember something like 80, some about 80 years ago, there was a guy going through a secret tunnel. Secret are you tunnel. are you are you saying secret tunnel is an annoying song? Uh no, Secret Tunnel wasn't an annoying song, but the Badger Mole one was. <laughs> I the Badger Mole one um you was kind of annoying. Yes. The music of my people. Yeah, what's his name, Tony? I don't remember. Exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, but the, the second thing was like uh, Prince Wu kind of, uh, he, to go find the badger moles, he leaves Pema on her oh, own, yeah. right? With like an angry mob, right? And he's like, do you think you can deal with this like unruly mob? And she's like, I mean, I raise Milo, so I can deal with anything, you know? And yeah. we come back to her singing like, airbender hymns and like airbenders like nursery rhymes and stuff like that yeah. and people are just like let's play the I- button game who has a button <laughs> like how do you how, what yeah <laughs> how do you play that it's very it, it was i just i don't know i we we rarely get to see pema doing mm-hmm. anything other than being a mom um like we see pema very very few times doing anything kind of like Outside of the general role of like mom and mm-hmm. wife to uh, a politician kind of thing, right? Yeah. Uh, and so anytime we do get to see her, you know, her in I think it was in season one giving advice to Cora uh, here, kind of taking over. Like it's it's just fun to see Pema doing things that are just not like chasing after the children, really. Yeah. Um. So I I acknowledge that. Um. That that's that's cool to watch. But yeah, badger moles really enjoy annoying singing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it's their thing, you know. Everybody has their thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so then that's when we caught up with Milo and the other Airbenders running through the city, uh, and like as you mentioned, uh, Milo had the bright idea to make like paint bombs. So uh, mm-hmm. balloon filled, uh, yeah, balloon filled with paint and being able to cover that in 
cover the glass of the Colossus so that Cuvier couldn't see. So for the most part, it was working. Yeah. Uh, but they didn't really expect for Cuvier to have a contingency plan for that specifically and have like water jets to be able to clean off the, um, the glass. So that didn't last as long as they needed it to be. Water jets um, or windshield wipers? That was water jets. It, it was, was like water. Spring, they had right? they had water, and they also had like little like windshield. Oh, I didn't see that. They? I think they did. I, <laughs> I didn't see that. I might be imagining this. I might be misremembering. I, it. I just watched the episode yesterday, so I <laughs> I'm pretty sure there was like windshield wipers. But I uh, mean, I gotta check. <laughs> but but either way, um, did did it feel strange to you that they dropped by a paint shop like and they saw all this paint, and then they only used the color pink? Like why? Like <laughs> I would have thought that they would have needed more paint yeah. to cover all of the windows, and it looked like they had a lot. But yeah. did they just say like we're just gonna use the pink paint and that's it? I didn't even it. think about that. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just like a little detail where I'm like, they like, just go. If the pink's the closest to the door. Just grab all those. Go. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like it. Is it is it really an important point? Absolutely not. <laughs> but it makes you wonder. Yeah. D- was it just a pink paint shop? Like, did they did the pink paint shop only sell pink in one shade, <laughs> one shade of pink? That's all they had left over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nobody likes this. Nobody likes that color. Uh, well, Kavira uh, obviously didn't like that color because yeah, she yeah. she wiped it off real real. I quick. mean, yeah, she had no problem with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that gives everybody else an, enough time to kind of get into position. Uh, with Lynn trying to uh, metal bend the joints at least, but even that mm-hmm. was made out of platinum. Um, so there's really nothing that they can bend uh, exterior from from the outside at least right. um, that can you know give them any type of advantage with metal bending. Uh, so Bo- Bolin, luckily we have Bolin. Uh, he creates this like pool of lava, and, and then, then um, so what does he say? Get ready for the world's biggest <laughs> case of hot foot metal, yeah. lady. <laughs> Weird line. Uh, Weird line. Yeah, yeah and then uh, so that kind of that slows the mech down. Uh, enough time for them to to start tying up the legs. Um, Have you seen this then, really old movie called Star Wars or called uh, <laughs> what was it called? Uh, what was it? What was it? A New Hope. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, keep going. Yeah, I mean, they probably watched the movie as well, and they're like, "Best idea, best <laughs> best plan we got." Yeah. Uh, they tie them up, and then uh, all the Airbenders all together um, start blasting the Colossus. Uh, to try to knock it over, mm-hmm. uh, but as this was happening, I was like, "Can't just can't Bolin just make it like the lava pit like deeper?" I like, so right? I thought I thought two things. I'm thinking one: Why are we using air bending mm-hmm. to knock the Colossus over? When so oh, man, everything like in my head like happened in this episode except for one thing. Like I was like, <laughs> wouldn't like a lot of water be like when they like shouldn't they like lead her to like a lake? Um, which I knew it was going to happen eventually, like to freeze the giant mm-hmm. Colossus and everything like that later in the episode. But I'm like, that feels like it would be more effective than the airbending. Um, what if, if Bolin, you know, like made lava under one foot and then like tipped the other foot back with earth bending? Like that feels like it would have <laughs> been more effective. Like it felt like there was like magnitudes of things that they could have done that would have been yeah. more effective than a lot of air blasts. Air blasts can definitely help as an augmentation, mm-hmm. but against this giant robot, I don't know if there's enough airbenders here to really really like you know what i'm saying yeah definitely i mean there was if if there was i mean 
Korra's the only water. Yeah, Korra's the only waterbender there, correct? Right. Yeah. yeah I mean, so, she was strong enough to do it. Later, well, yeah. But. Well, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> like the, the the Colossus wasn't near water until the very end. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm, so, like mm-hmm. that, that would have been the, like the best bet for them is to, if they had multiple waterbenders, to like bring over that source of water, and then you know freeze it. Uh, but it there it wasn't really possible because it was kind of in the middle of the big cities. So I understand that point. However, where, we do have like two Beifongs there, like helping tie, or more than two Beifongs there helping mm-hmm. tie or, tie up the the legs of the Colossus plus Bolin and yeah. Korra. Like it feels like you could have. It feels like you. I mean, Korra could have even gone Avatar state and like done multiple elements at one time. Like it would have been yeah. incredibly effective, but they just didn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> feels like an oversight to me but okay yeah. they're trying their best <laughs> uh, so yeah so they're about to tip it over but kubir is able to catch herself and then just like slices the the um the uh spirit weapon and then uh like a- at an angle like at a horizontal angle and like takes out like multiple buildings like slices them in half mm-hmm. uh and that explosion just like happens behind um uh, Cora, and it's just like, oh, oh no, like yeah. it's, it, it, it doesn't have to necessarily be like a singular target that it's aiming for. Like if if the arm's in motion, like it just like as like a laser, uh, just destroys yeah. anything in its path. It is a laser. It, yeah, it, yeah, it will yeah. slice through things. Um, man, you know I hate so much. I really, I've always hated like watching any kind of like superhero show or like anime or anything where there's like people fighting in a city and they're just like destroying buildings and stuff like that (laughs) i've i've always hated it and i know it's like in this case it feels like yeah it can't be helped really like Mm -hmm. this is kind of our battleground at this point Uh, but i I, it doesn't make me hate it any less i mean oh here's one i'm you've you've probably read or at least heard of like champions like the marvel series right like yes yeah like uh like it's like a bunch of it's basically like the marvel's teen titans like the more, Mm -hmm. more recent kind of thing like that that team starts to form because like the avengers are just like like throwing buildings at other people and then like kamala khan is like can we not and they're like you're going to do things by our rules and she's like how about no and then like they go on fear and i was like i'm like what better reason to like form your own team than like you know you're trying to save people but you're also like leaving people in poverty at the same time mm-hmm. like let's i don't know not really relevant to this conversation, but I just, I just, anytime like I see buildings just getting destroyed, I, I kind of like jar a little bit. It's just like, a oh, little, I, uh, I, I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was great. Of course. Of um, course. Yeah. I don't, I think it was just cool. It's like that feat of strength of when they started like going after buildings later on in this episode. Um, but besides that, uh, Asami and Varric have kind of slow progress with trying to modify these suits. Um, they're trying to work on like the hydraulic system, but uh, it doesn't seem to be working. Varric's like, just turn it harder, but like they're not getting any real progress with them trying to get the hummingbird uh, to be able to at least to fly. Mm-hmm. So um, it doesn't seem like they're going to be able to help anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have Batar Jr. wake up, and um, that's when that's when um, Sue was there, um, and she. Kinda- that was actually more towards the beginning of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> no, Anyways. I, that's that's when it. Th- this is the sequence of when it happened. Is it really? 
Yeah. Oh yeah, you right, you right, you right. I'm looking at my I'm looking at my notes. You right, you right. Um Yeah, so that's when Batar finally wakes up and he he's like 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 you mentioned last episode with him waking up and just like like Kubera kind of just like shot at us like like no mm-hmm. repercussion like like what like it, it's just like he he's starting to finally come to his senses and understands that like he he's seen Kubera throw people uh, mm-hmm. to the side when they don't have any value to them and he never believed that he would be that type of he would never be in that position yeah that he meant something to her. And we see something from Sue here that I, I don't think that we've really been able to see from her just because it's it hasn't come up. But this, like, I mean, she's still his mother, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that they've been on, they've been oppositional to each other this entire time, right? They've been on opposite sides of, of the fight. So we haven't really seen this, but she she's like, um, he's like, she's still like, I'm here for you. Like, I love you. Like, you're still my son. Uh, he's like, no one, like the family's never going to forgive me. And she's like, they might take a little longer to come around. That's true. But you're here now. That's what matters. Kind of, kind of thing. Right. It was like, I was just like, wow. Like she is his mother. I I feel like I felt that like multiple times though. Mm -hmm. Um, from, from, uh, Sue more than anyone. Uh, like when they first met, um, they did have that argument, but her expressing like, what did I, like, I don't understand what I did to hurt you. Mm -hmm. Um, when they, and I mean, she, she said those exact words, uh, when they were in the factory, even saying like, like, I need you to come home. Like, I, I, I don't know what I did to hurt you and to push you away like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and him, and her tr- truly being sympathetic and trying to understand, like, how, what got us to this point. Right. Um, she was always seeming to welcome him back with open arms. Um, because, again, she didn't really understand in her. She's admitted that our family has never been the same since you left because mm-hmm. you, you are a part of us. Uh, right. So for her, so... Now that he's coming to a realization that, like, holy shit, like, I, I, I think I'm the one that actually messed up. She's, she's there like a mother, um, with open arms, um, understanding that that he did make mistakes, but willing to forgive him. Yeah, yeah, no, that you know, you're right. That's true. That's a hundred percent true. I just feel like, um, it, it was. <laughs> There was no "I told you so," right? Yeah, and it, <laughs> yeah. I think especially I, from a Beifang. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I was <laughs> expecting, right? Like, um, that that's kind of more where I was. I I was just like, wow, like like Sue was just just gentle, just completely mm-hmm. gentle. Called him sweetie and everything like that, yeah. right? Like, which is, I mean, yes, she is his mother. Like, we don't like that's not something that I have forgotten. But it was just like. That family and the the amount of competitiveness that comes with it, the amount of uh, pent up feelings, the amount of not really talking about feelings for long periods of time. Mm-hmm. Though that's a little bit more of a of a Lin thing. Um, yeah. I think Lin has taken that way further to heart. Um, but it it just felt like I was just, you know, I don't think I. This might be the third time I've watched this episode. I I I I'm not going to pretend like I've rewatched all of season for multiple multiple times i think mm-hmm. this is my third watch through of it um so it it i was just kind of waiting for some like little even if it wasn't malicious just kind of like like you just even like a like this is what you should have expected from the beginning you know yeah. like anything like that that it didn't have to feel malicious but it was just kind of this like i told yeah, you so definitely. now you're back um, but it, it just didn't come even even from sue like i i 
she is kind-hearted. She is the more gentle one. Uh, because of her experiences, it really seems like when she was younger, what we saw her at like uh, early teens, mm-hmm. she was very selfish, self-centered individual. Uh, and through her life experiences, she was truly able to discover herself and and find that gentler side, finding that forgiving side of herself, mm-hmm. um, being able to forgive her mother as well as trying to forgive her sister once they finally met uh, and even reaching out to her multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um but even through all that, like when um, when she had conversations with Cora earlier in this series and this season um, about Kuvira, she was like, "No, like you have no idea. You don't understand her. Like we have to take her down. Like that's the only possible way." Mm-hmm. Um, so in in this circumstance, it almost seems like she because the subject matter was Kuvira, she would have been like, "Yes, like this is what I was trying to tell you." Or mm. like, what what else did you expect from someone like that? Or like something like a snark remark would have would have fit and not felt awkward. Mm-hmm. But you know, it wasn't there. She was definitely uh, understood that her son, you know, was going through a lot of pain uh, and confusion from this this event, uh, and it's kind of just like I'm glad at least you know I have you. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, this is uh. This is actually kind of the moment where uh, the EMP stuff kind of comes yes. into play. Yes. So we get, I, I don't remember his name. Uh, it's it's the dude that shaved his head that has a mustache. He's the airbender. <laughs> yeah. he, he runs around a couple times in this in this episode mm-hmm. and kind of just like warning people of things that are happening. So he's like, hey, are the are the suits operational or, or do you guys have anything that can stop those mech suits? Because uh, their whole platoon is coming in. Yeah. Um, so Varric has a brilliant solution because you know he's dealt with this in the past. Um, he's able to make a giant uh, EMP. Um, uh, so yeah, he's able to make a giant EMP with the with the uh, radio uh, tower uh, on the uh-huh. on top of uh-huh. the uh, building. Yeah. So that takes out all the smaller mechs, but it doesn't work on the Colossus. Uh, because the Colossus, and, yeah, Batar's like the Colossus works on spirit energy, so yes. an EMP won't work on it. Exactly, since it has its own power source, uh, EMP won't work. So I mean, at least they got a, you know uh, one uh, uh, threat out of the way. Backing up and, a little bit, because I guess we we did did we did I talk about the the whole engagement scene with Eric and and Julie? Uh, that happens before they go into the suits, the hummingbird suits. Oh, does it? Yes. Okay. Which so it's like is not they're, too they're, far from now. Uh, yeah, yeah, because like there, you know, you know, if you might die soon, you you want to definitely mm-hmm. do everything that you need to do. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, engage the people. You know, say say you love, say you love you. To it people, was. Uh, <laughs> it was interesting because you expect Varric to like mess this up, right? Like you, you a hundred percent expect him to mess this up. You know, he starts off really se- like this has happened before. We've seen Varric start off really serious, start off really like stoic and and mm-hmm. and and saying like saying things that like feel like they mean something. And then something stupid comes out of his mouth, right? Like we've seen, <laughs> we've seen the formula happen again and again and again. And then like he he just like follows through with it, and he gets on his knee and he's like, Julie Julie Moon, her last name is Moon. Will you marry me? <gasps> Someone else with a last name. Yeah, right. Beifong and Moon. There's only there's <laughs> only two. And Sato. 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 There's three. That's that's the threes. Those are, <laughs> if if you're a Moon, a Sato, or a Beifong, you got it made. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but and and she accepts and and they're now a couple and they're also going to be in their own hummingbird suit together. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so yeah, they think that was sweet. Uh, it's definitely a, a relationship that I don't agree with all the time. <laughs> no, yeah, no. So I have like conflicting opinions about it, right? Yes, like, definitely. <laughs> I think I th- like. How do I? How do I? How do I put it? Um, if. If Varric had been the character that he is in maybe the last half of this season, right? Um, mm-hmm. If he was the character from, trust me, kid, I know what I'm doing, until now, <laughs> if he had always been that character, I would really yeah. love this relationship. Yeah. But the thing is, like, we we have like two and a half seasons of Varric just being kind of a little bit of a piece of garbage. Yeah, just especially to Julie her to do things. Yeah, right. Um, and though I mean, you know, and if you were to ask Julie, like she has this kind of, um, like I've always admired Varric. He's like one of the you know most intelligent people I know, and like you know, people are some people are you know like that's the most important thing to them, right? And mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, it, just because you admire someone doesn't necessarily mean you should be putting up with. Everything. Like their toxic, toxic yeah. behavior, which is that's where like I don't really agree with their relationship, mm-hmm. um, because I a I know like Julie is able to finally stand up for herself. Mm-hmm. Um, when they were at the uh, the tower, um, Varric was trying to explain a little bit of like, hey, like I had this, um, uh, what is it? Not a horse, something horse, uh, ostrich horse. He had an ostrich horse that he didn't appreciate. He's trying to like essentially tell her a story that like, hey, like I don't yeah. appreciate you, and I'm trying, and like I'm finally realizing that. Right. It didn't really come out. Um, so it's just like we understand that Varys has the idea of like, hey, you know, I do need to treat her better. I do need her treat her as an equal. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just unfortunate that we don't ever get to really see any of that before yeah, any of exactly. this happens, it's, right? Yeah. Um, I also think you know, I I, I don't. I know, I think Varric, I, I don't, I, I'm trying to think of how to say this, right? Like, because it's, because the way that he has treated Julie is not appropriate, right? But yeah. I'm, I'm trying to say that I, I would not go as far to say that he has no appreciation for Julie, like in the sense that like he is admitted on multiple occasions that like, he kind of only gets through his days because she's there for him, mm-hmm. right? Like, he – there's, like, this understanding that Julie is, like, probably the most integral part of, like, his success uh, to this point, but, yeah. like, doesn't understand what that means. And that <laughs> – you know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's hard to put into words because, like, it's there. You know, the thought yeah. is there. The understanding is there. But just the kind of interaction with it is not. And so – yeah, it's it's kind of hard to put into words. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, they're they're engaged, and Julie will be doing the thing for the rest of their life. You know, in my in my head canon, Julie kind of like wears the pants in that relationship from now on. <laughs> like that's the I hope so. Like that's it. That's like how it, I feel like it would go <laughs> in, in in my head. Like I think that once Varric is kind of like, uh, I would be nothing without this woman. Like, mm-hmm. and Julie is like. I'm not just going to take stuff from you anymore. Like yeah. I, I see Julie as like the person who's like in charge in this relationship and like is like ahead of their affairs and like make sure like of course Varric's gonna have his ideas, Varric's gonna be the inventor, Varric's gonna be like doing all like the like the hands-on thing, but Julie's mm-hmm. gonna be like a 
no, Varric, that's actually not a good idea. You know, <laughs> like that that kind yeah. of, you know, um, I don't know. Yeah. And then uh, getting back to the story a little bit. Uh, so this, so after the NP stuff, that's when, um, that's when Lynn brings in Mr. Sato uh, to try to get any help that they can possibly get. Um, and that's when he has the bright idea to, to attack from the inside. So he's mm-hmm. like, it's just like a body. Like we need to uh, attack it like a virus uh, attacking the major organs, the hearts, the brain mm-hmm. uh, and take it out. So that's when they kind of uh, come up with the idea to modify the saws, electrify them and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so they kind of just need time at this point. Like any time, any, any stalling that you yes. guys can do is greatly appreciated so that's when everybody kind of does an all-out attack on on the colossus i mean the airbenders are making some crazy like uh combo moves Mm -hmm. i don't know if you you saw that where like they like span around and they made like a like directional tornado yeah hit the the arm and made it blast the floor which is pretty cool Mm -hmm. um milo's like making faces on on the glass (laughs) so taunting her yeah um but he's able to save his dad from from falling out of the sky as um, as they're all kind of uh, flying around and, and nearly uh, missing the uh, the the spirit weapon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think it was uh, so actually the, the way that it happened too was um, Janora was kind of in the in the path of the of the laser. Tenzin saves Janora, but yes. like knocks her out. And they both get knocked out. Iki mm-hmm. saves Janora and Milo saves uh, Tenzin. But like yes. both, like T- Milo's like, like he's every ounce of his strength to just like <laughs> land there. He's like, yeah, I'm still eight years old. <laughs> you know, like, um, but you know, it's it's really nice to see. You know, as these kids have gotten older, like even just like me, Iki and Milo, like they have just become so incredibly proficient at what they do and being so young too right like Mm -hmm. it's it's just really it's really cool to see just how proficient they've become um i mean they're 10 they're children of tenzin who is the child of ang so it's not incredibly surprising (laughs) i mean there's there's definitely a major focus uh, as to their training and everything as Mm -hmm. they grew up Mm -hmm. uh because you know they're they're supposed to continue the legacy of the air nomads yeah um so they have to they they had to be well trained mm-hmm. uh and it's really showing at this uh in this uh episode when they're able to kind of think on their feet and still be able to uh save people in midair yeah uh and then we get to the the building destruction as bolin like uh rips a a, a building uh and um, they topple it over. I thought that was so cool. Honestly. I'm not saying it's not cool. I'm just like, oh man, people people live there, you know. That's, just, <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Well, I mean, if Kuvira wins, no one's living here. So true, 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 true. No, a hundred percent, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Right. Um. That being said, if you were to come back to your house after Kuvira failed to take over the city, yeah. you know, um. And it wasn't there, you'd still be pretty upset about it. Like that's yeah, just, definitely. <laughs> so, you know. I'm not saying that they're wrong to do it. I'm not saying that they had a whole host of other options. I'm just saying like it makes me sad. It, mm-hmm. it just makes me sad to see people's homes being destroyed. Yeah, I thought it was cool though. 
uh, just because it's like it was, it's just like a feat of strength where like no, you absolutely. don't see that happen. A- absolutely, where he's like literally tearing into buildings. Yeah, uh, and yeah. then like everybody's like trying to topple it over, um, like pushing the mech down, but it still gets up like time and time again. So anything that they're throwing at it doesn't seem to be able to stop it for very long. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, they're really just trying to stall for time. Um, the hummingbirds so, do come in like pretty soon yes, after though. So, yeah. So we jump back in. So we see the saws are finally working. Um, that's when Asami kind of thanks her dad. Cause it's like, this is, you know, this is all your, this is your plan. This is your idea. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when the, Barak proposes. Yeah. Uh, Asami and before. Hiroshi make up at that mm-hmm. point, kind of like, I love yous and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, and then they take off with the hummingbird suits. But um, the problem is they have nowhere to land where the where the arms can't reach. So mm-hmm. even even at the back of the um, <laughs> even the back where where Varric can't, can't reach, reach. <laughs> uh, it's it still has an opportunity to 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 reach them there. So there's no safe point for them to be able to land to make a hole uh uh to be able to get inside so that's when cora that's when the mech finally Mm. reaches uh the water source so cora can start freezing it freezes the entire majority of the suit um and that's when uh the hummingbird with mr sato and sami lands and is able to start making uh an incision into the into in the uh, uh, Mm -hmm. platinum um and they're like running out of time uh as as the Colossus is starting to break out as Kuvira's like, more power! I need more power! Yeah. Uh, to try to get out as, as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. And that's when uh, Mr. Sato sacrifices himself. Yeah. Uh, ejects Asami and uh, finishes the hole so that they have a fighting chance. This is really the... Uh, I, I mean, this is really like the moment that defines this episode, right? I mm-hmm. think... Okay, this is the moment that defines this episode, and uh, I, it didn't mean much to me, I'm not gonna lie, (laughs) I'm not gonna lie, Um, I was gonna say I don't like it, I don't know if that's it, it just doesn't mean much to me, and I I think that we've talked about this at the very beginning of the season, Uh, we get like a scene with Asami and Hiroshi, you know, we Mm -hmm. get like, what one or two one scene or like two scenes with them together one scene yeah. that alludes to asami thinking about him and then he sacrifices himself and we're supposed to feel all of these things you know mm. and i i'm sorry but i don't you, you know it, it it just didn't you monster yeah I right <laughs> no but I, but you no, know what i'm saying I, I think for me it's it's i didn't even feel anything for mr sato i feel something for asami um uh, yeah. my link isn't to to mr sato it's it's to Asami that we know. So it's like, um, if, I mean, if, you know, knock on wood that your, your, your parents would pass away. I've never met them. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I would, that would still be like a huge weight and shock to me. Yeah. So I'm not, you know, entirely sure if that's, that was what they were going for that. Like, yes, we didn't have too much time to, to develop that, that feeling for Mr. Sato again, but it's just like, you do have that connection to, uh, Asami, and that's what we're 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 trying to f- to pull on your heartstrings about, which is like Asami just lost her parent, and not necessarily oh, Mister Sato died. Yeah. So, and I understand that that is also supposed to be the intended effect, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if they are supposed to. 
I have a few problems with the idea that this is like a used as a redemption scene, mm-hmm. you know, like this is like at the end of the day, this is the last thing that we see of Mr. Sato and we're supposed to remember him as a hero. Um, I don't know if that's the case for me. Um, but that's like generally when shows do something like this, that's mm-hmm. kind of the, the goal. Um, number two, uh, there's a, a problem with me. And I, I, I mentioned it before, right. That the, just the relationship between the two of them is just like not something that I'm going to buy. Right. Like if, <laughs> if this was like someone in real life, right. Like a real life person who had this story and this happened to them, like, I would be able to feel something because there's an actual human connection with that person. Um, These are characters, you know, and as much as I really love these characters and engage with these characters at the end of the day, they're still characters and there's so much blank space between me and them Mm -hmm. um, that these people, they they can never really be real people. You know what I'm saying? And so, oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) But because of that, um, for the, the, the easier, it's easier to connect with a character um, or, or and it's easier to connect with a character moment when there is solid groundwork laid for that character, right? Mm-hmm. And this moment did not have that. Um, I'm not gonna say that it's bad, a bad moment or anything like that. I just think that it falls really, really short of the intended effect because we just didn't have like someone could have someone could like. Tony, like it's very, it's very clear that so many people watch this show with so much less detail than you and I do. Yeah. Um. There's plenty of people who watch it with more detail, but there's so many people, and I'd, I'd even argue that most of our audience probably watches the show with less detail than we do, just because they're not the ones who have to go and review it, mm-hmm. right? But like even, even showing this to someone who casually watched the show one time through, they probably can't even pick out this moment. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah, I mean they they skipped over it fairly quickly right after they're like right after they're just like <laughs> let's go. It's like no one's like oh my god, Mr. Sato or like there's more weight yeah. placed on Cora <laughs> throwing ice up at the freaking hand to stop it from you know than yeah. than Mr. Sato dying. And to me, and that's what I'm saying. Like it's not it's not a, a an incredibly powerful moment for me yeah. because there is not an incredibly you know, solid amount of groundwork. I mean, I've talked about this whole like idea of putting more emphasis on this relationship with Asami in season four, mm-hmm. right? Uh, if we had two or three more moments, if we had five more minutes of screen time with them, if we had any kind of other explanation other than I don't want your letters anymore, you know what? I saw a girl playing with her dad in the park. I want to play shogi with you and I want to start forgiving you. You know, th- mm-hmm. that is the only thing we've seen this entire season, which someone could easily forget. I forgot that happened. You <laughs> yeah. know, I walked into the season thinking that this episode was it. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, and, and so for me, that, that just, mo- it just doesn't, it just doesn't, it just doesn't sink for me. Yeah, that's I just, get you. just what I'm saying. So, um, but yeah, so I mean, who who goes in? Uh, so it's uh, Cora Mako, which is his only appearance in this episode. It feels like. Uh oh. Um, I think it's Cora uh, Mako Bolin Asami. Sorry. Uh, where was it? Asami? Okay, Maybe cool. not Asami. No, not Asami. It was Cora Mako. Oh. <laughs> it's okay. No, no worries. Yeah. Um. I'm just gonna have to edit all of this at the end anyway, yes. so it's cool. Um, Cora, Mako, yeah. Bolin, yeah. Sue, the and Lin? siblings, siblings, and Cora. 
those five? <laughs> I know Lin was in there, and I know there's five people in there. I can't remember who the fifth person is. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> this was Mako's only yeah. appearance in the entire episode, it felt like. Yeah, it's not really much to go do against Platinum, honestly. <laughs> I mean, it feels like there's not really much for a firebender to do here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he, he can eventually do something to He's there. not a genius. He's a firebender. <laughs> Let's just put him inside. <laughs> in there, which he does eventually. Well, spoilers. Um, <laughs> I, I'd be willing to bet that if people are at this point, they've probably finished the season by now. So maybe spoilers, maybe not. But yeah, that's how, that's how the episode ends. Day of the Colossus. Play it on PS4 Pro. It's got, you know, really great... <laughs> graphics and, and stuff like that. What what would you want to put this episode at, Tony? Um, I put this episode at. Uh, I don't know. I like I like the action action scenes. That's that's more of my forte. Uh, I think I would give it an eight again. Uh, just like last episode. Yeah, I'm like. Is it okay? This this is gonna sound really weird and like doesn't make sense. But I'm like thinking mm-hmm. like, this episode is not an eight. And it's like eight is like, there's like a feeling of like, this episode's not an eight. It's either a seven or a nine. And I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't make sense. I'll probably just give it an eight because of that. Um, Yeah. It's like a, it's a super solid episode. I, I almost want to fault the episode because like the, the, the moment with Mr. Sato with Hiroshi almost feels empty to me you know but Mm -hmm. that's that to me is not a fault of this episode right like i think i i'm gonna make this thought really clear i think the episode pulls off the moment incredibly well the season just doesn't carry the rest of the weight for it if that makes sense so that makes sense the moment is great uh but unfortunately the moment can't really be great without solid groundwork previously in the season um So I can't really fault the episode for that. Yeah, I think I'll give it like about an eight. Nice. Um, which means that we we're we're here. Yeah, we're done. We're we're not releasing any more episodes. We don't want the magic to end. <laughs> not just kidding. Uh, we'll be back soon with the final episode of Legend of Korra. Also, uh, man, Tony, we we should probably release two episodes next week too, just because uh, it's New Year's. And we have a final episode. I'm like, which one do we do first? It feels it feels weird to like just release a bonus episode before the last episode, but it also feels like, <laughs> do we not hit New Year's on New Year's? Like, what do we do? <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure, we'll it, figure out. it out. Yeah, we'll we'll have to. T- we got some stuff to talk about anyway. So yeah. Um, thanks everybody so much for listening to the Arrow. Um, as always, my name's Chandler. My name's Tony, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.